and welcome to Ipsa Dixit, a podcast on legal scholarship. I'm your host, Brian L. Fry, Spears Gilbert Associate Professor of Law at the University of Kentucky College of Law. My guest is Joy Canwar, Associate Professor of Legal Writing at Brooklyn Law School. We will discuss her article, Avatars, Acting, and Imagination, Bringing New Techniques into the Legal Classroom, which is published in the Journal of the Legal Professions. So welcome to the show, Joy. Thank you so much, Brian. Yeah, I'm I'm really glad to have you on the show, and I'm super glad that uh, Chris Beauchamp uh, introduced us because I really enjoyed your paper. Thank you so much. Chris is great, and I'm happy. He, <laughs> yeah, he really is a fun guy. Um, so, in your paper, you talk about integrating kind of acting and acting techniques into legal education. Um, you know, what's the goal behind doing that and how do you think it can help students? So at Brooklyn Law School, I teach in the legal writing um, classroom. And one of the things that I noticed, um, and I think this can be applied more broadly to teaching students in general, but one thing that I noticed every year is that when I got to the part of the semester where we had just finished writing our biggest written project, which is usually a persuasive brief, and we were about to transition into oral advocacy, the students seemed to lose all confidence. And I, I always wondered why that happened, why they suddenly felt like they couldn't do something when they'd written something so complicated before. So I started thinking about ways that I might be able to ease their transition from being a written advocate to an oral advocate. And around those ideas, I basically started researching different um, multidisciplinary ways to bring into the classroom. And acting, um, for a number of reasons, actually led me to think that that was the way to go. Um, So I looked into basically theater training, different uh, ways of thinking about motivations, um, thinking about sides of a story, thinking about the way that you present physically and mentally. Um, But then I also came up with another concept that I didn't bring from acting at all, but rather from my own background as um, somebody who grew up in a Hindu household. And that concept is called the avatar. Um, So I wove these two things together and basically came up with six steps that my students could take to bridge that uh, that place from being a written advocate to an oral advocate. Well, so Joy, you used the concept of an avatar. Maybe you could talk a little bit about what an avatar is, what it means, and how you think it's helpful in terms of helping law students think about themselves as advocates. Yes. Um, so First, I I feel like I should probably try to define the term um, for the listeners. So there are actually three definitions that go with this term of avatar. So avatar is actually um, a term that comes from the Sanskrit language and Hindu mythology. And it's basically defined as the descent of a deity to the earth in an incarnate form or some manifest shape or the incarnation of of a god. And this is basically a concept that comes from um, Eastern mythology. And, and the idea is that every once in a while, there will be some need for the divine to come to the earth and ha- 
the divine has to take the form of a human being. So it's basically a combination of a best version of a human being that's here to teach us moral tales. So that's basically the avatar concept from Hinduism. The non-Hindu and more common understanding of this concept is the second definition, which is an embodiment or personification um, as in a principal attitude or view of life. Um, and so that basically means just an ethos, some type of view of life that is embodied in a physical type of manifestation. And the third form, and this is the one that our students know the best, is the concept that comes for, from a digital, a digital space or a graphic image um, representing a person. So the funny thing about this is I go through this entire thing. I have slides of, you know, different Hindu mythology, et cetera, et cetera. And I stop talking and usually my students are like, yeah, professor, avatars. And it's like, oh, right. Avatars. You already, you, oh, you got this? Oh, I didn't need to go through the whole background. So basically the idea of being um, transformed into some other type of representation of self is actually a pretty we. We all know that concept because we deal with bitmojis and emojis and other types of things. But in the context of trying to use that concept to make yourself feel brave, basically there are psychological implications to taking on something that feels more, more powerful than yourself, but rather, but, but also a reflection of your own qualities. So that's very different than just saying you should emulate someone you think is a great speaker. It needs to have some type of a connection to you. So you think it's a better version of yourself. Mm. Well, so when you do this with students, like how does that work in practice? Like when students adopt an avatar, what do they do and how do they use that in class to kind of channel their inner advocate as it okay. were? That's a great question. So basically, I was hoping that you might um, want to do a little bit of avatar thinking with me. So the prompt that I usually give my students and the complete, you know, the irony is that I actually just received all of my students avatar one page essays last night at midnight, and I read through all of them. So I know who they've chosen as their avatars. And normally, I actually don't have them do it this late in the semester, but we've we've um, reoriented our semester a little bit to end with persuasive writing. So it makes the most sense right now. But this is normally the prompt. The prompt would go something like this. Come to class having picked a character that inspires you from real life or fiction that you think you can emulate to help you feel brave when you have to stand up and present your arguments. The person does not have to be a lawyer, actually, although you might find it useful to look in the fictional legal world as well. Along with Vinny, Atticus, Perry Mason, and Michael Clayton from television and literature, do not forget Patty Hughes, Ali McBeal, Alicia Florick, or a personal favorite of mine, Luca Quinn. But really, it can be anyone, and at the end, it will be you. So if I were to ask you to think of somebody who makes you feel strong and brave and somebody you can emulate. Does anyone come to mind for you? Andy Kaufman. Oh, perfect. And what qualities about Andy Kaufman, besides being just totally irreverent, um, would make you pick him? 
He's fearless. Yeah, right. I mean, and so this is actually the quality that you've just identified is the quality that most students look for in their avatars. But it's very interesting that often they'll choose compassion as well. So somebody who's compassionate but has an ability to um, to project confidence and to stand up to um, norms. And I think that that Andy Kaufman could be that person. Um, but in terms of how, what we do with that, we basically, I basically have them hold on to the idea of the avatar. And then as we slowly start preparing for oral argument, I ask them to um, put themselves in the place of that avatar. So every time they have to stand up, and do something, even if it's just doing an opening to a moot court assignment. So just something like, may it please the court, my name is. Um, often students feel very nervous when they stand up to say even those initial words. But if I ask them to do it one more time, but with your avatar in place, it's amazing how transformed they are. But if there's no, if you don't get a chance to actually link to your own, your own avatar, it doesn't work as well. If I told you to be Sasha Fierce, it might not be, which is who's Beyonce's avatar. Um, you may not have any connection to that, but it has to be somebody who resonates in you um, and makes you feel like that's just a person in front that, that is um, accessible to you for your presentation. And the better you get at this, honestly, I don't even do this anymore because I've been practicing law for a long time. And now I'm in legal academia where I don't have to do that much uh, presentation in front of courts, but lots of presentation in front of classes. I am myself now because I know how to do this. But in those initial first year stages, when a lot of people feel like they are um, frauds, and that isn't even that isn't true. We're in a learning enterprise, but people feel very much like they are walking through an imposter situation where they aren't, they don't belong there, they don't know what they're saying. Um, and as much as I tell them, look, you just wrote this brief, and the brief is pretty good. Um, that doesn't help. That doesn't help them just come across to this different place where they feel like they can do these things. So I, this is one way that I found to really help them. Um, and I don't know if you'd be interested, but I have the entire list of avatars from that came in hot off the presses. And amazingly, um, very few fictional characters, though some characters from TV, Olivia Pope makes the list a couple of times, um, Olivia Benson from Law and Order SVU, a couple of law professors for the first time ever, Rachel Barkow made it. Um, Damn, like I, 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 I got to say, I concur on the Rachel Barkow one. <laughs> right? Is that not, that's just an absolute genius one. Um, but Kim Kardashian made it onto this list because of the work that she's been using to quote the student, using her full power to make a difference in criminal justice. Um, 
that that was inspiring. Uh, Ida B. Wells, historical characters, RBG made it four times, Amal Clooney a couple of times. And a lot of people actually um, talk about people in their own lives, um, a mother, an aunt, um, a father, not necessarily lawyers, but people who they have seen advocate in a compassionate way, but in a way that feels very poised and grounded and real and authentic. That that quality is the number one quality. Every mm-hmm. once in a while, um, every year Michelle Obama makes it on. Every once in a while, her husband will make it on. Um, and, you know, it'll be one of those things that you kind of never know if there's going to be be politicians on the list or, or um, actors or, but the qualities, the things that the students are trying to emulate is a sense of, purpose, poise, and control, but quiet control. There are no bombastic people on this list, actually, which is interesting. Um, though Tupac Shakur made it on, not that he's bombastic, but that he is he's more of an iconoclast. Um, Johnny Cochran made it onto this list. Um, but there's some very, it's, it's very interesting to see who students feel are versions of themselves that they can see or that they want to emulate. Mm. Well, Joy, I wonder if you could talk a little bit about how students use this kind of avatar identification in practice. I mean, like when students choose a particular avatar, does that like inflect their own sort of process of self-creation um, and maybe like just if you could, just like some observations on sort of like how it actually works in the classroom. Yes. Um, so it is it is a reflective process because what I try to do is decouple the choosing of the avatar from the process of learning oral argument. I want them to have already thought about the qualities and and had an opportunity to sit with the qualities. But it becomes active again once we start practicing the rest of the other techniques. So when we break out our process of preparing for oral argument, we basically start with, we start with a roadmap, we start with an outline, we start with the theme of the story, the heart of the story. This is where some of the other acting techniques are going to come in as well. But at every stage of those things, um, I ask the students to, to ground themselves in a position in which they feel steady and powerful. And it's it, you have to start with some grounding like that. Otherwise, the rest of the steps are not going to be very effective and they're still going to be scary and they're still going to be overwhelming. So starting first with the avatar or just conceptualizing the avatar, the second step then would be to take your script. And now I'm going to talk a little bit about some of the acting techniques, but the first four steps, and I'll just actually read out all the steps so that they are in order. And then we'll see how the avatar weaves through all of them. The first one, uh, find the avatar. The second one is to be prepared, which requires the students to review the materials and the facts, the law, just as an actor would review a script. The third step is to know the heart of the story, which is common in both a student's theory of the case and an actor's understanding of her character's motivations. 
the fourth step is to think not just from your motivation, but in a 360 degree way, which is to understand the motivations of every one in the room, the opposing party, if there is, if, if that's the way the problem is structured, the judge, um, all of those roles are roles as well. So understand all of those, those motivations. Um, the fifth step is to understand the power of projection and voice. And the final step is to understand the power of body language and the stance. The first four of these things are all mental. The last two are physical, but it's not, it doesn't make sense to go to the last two without grounding yourself in the first four things. So preparing the script, understanding the heart of the, thor- uh, the story, the theory of the case, and also understanding all of the motivations in the room are things that I ask the students to do step by step, but with an avatar thinking or, and framing. So every time they think that I need, I need to come from a place of advocacy, it helps a lot to be standing with the shield of this avatar in front of you because you've already identified this person as someone who is an advocate. And funny enough, it works out. It actually works out really well. So one year I had a student choose uh, the actor, Jason Statham. And every time, which, which I at first thought was an interesting choice, but every time he had to do any one of these things, which we walked through in sequence, um, in the article, I say, you can decouple them and do them in a smorgasbord style. You can do them out of order, but in the order that I laid them out, it's the way that we went with the class. He would, he would always stop and say, okay, I'd like to do that one more time, but I'd like to do this one with a Jason, with Jason there. And I was like, all right, great. Qualitative. And I, I am, I don't know if this is the only one of the Dixit episodes that mentions Jason Statham, but I, I think I think it's a first. Okay, I would venture to say that it might be. Um, and you know, the the thing about it was that somehow this really did ground. Um, it really did ground the students as they moved forward through the techniques. After that, these other steps actually do draw from theater training. Um, so I'd like to frame this for you, actually, in the way that I presented it to my students for the first time. After I'd asked them to choose their own avatars before we started anything else, they all they had in front of them were their roadmaps for how they were planning to present their appellate arguments. So an opening roadmap and point headings for where they would go with the rest of the argument. That's all they had. Um, what I did was I actually brought my own avatar into the room, and this was completely fortuitous. One of the ways that I actually came up with this idea is I collaborated with a friend of mine who is an actor, and she plays an American lawyer on television. Her name um, is Kush Jumbo, and she is an actor on The Good Wife and now the show The Good Fight. She plays Luca Quinn, who is my avatar, basically, if I could be somebody um, who embodies all the qualities that I want as an advocate, I would be Luca Quinn. And Kush and I are friends. We've been friends for a number of years. And one day when she was talking to me about going to the show and being corrected on um, 
a position that she took, she turned her back to the judge in order to grab a paper. Somebody, and I would love to have this job, honestly, I don't know how I can get it, but there is um, a consultant on the show who says, oh, you know, in American court, we don't do that. We don't turn away from the podium, um, when, e- e- turn all the way away from the podium. So she was facing with the back to the judges. So obviously we know you don't do that. And I said, oh, that's funny because I am just talking to my students about that in one week. So we actually came up with the idea of her coming to my class. And what she did was I said, you know, you've all chosen your avatars. I'd like to show you mine. She walked into class and rather than being who she really is, she's a an English Shakespearean trained, amazing, amazing actor, theater um, and television and stage and all. Um, she's an all rounder. And now she has an OBE. So she's also very fancy, but she basically came in not as herself, but as the American lawyer from um, The Good Wife. And she came in and she presented the exact roadmap that they had in front of them. And what was amazing about that moment was that they understood how you stand and how you present um, the same material that they had. But afterward was the point that actually made them best connection with the students. This was how we brought it home. She stopped being in character. She came out of character. She became herself. And she said that actually, I am not a lawyer. I'm not even an American. And you, as the people in this room, know this problem better than just about anybody in the world, because you've been working on it all semester. And all you need is the confidence that I have. And I, you know, so she basically said, I could never do what you're doing sitting in this classroom, but I can pull off the presentation of something like this. So let's talk about how to get you there as well. And the rest of the class was was her um, sharing these ideas of how to get comfortable and get yourself positioned. But not only did it show the avatar concept, because my students got to see who I emulated, but it also showed that much of what we do when we present is just get ready to be in the space. That's all. It's just to position yourself in a place where you are comfortably speaking and the content is there. They know the content. It's just that the delivery and and it's not as simple as just, you know, standing up and and being calm. You have to prepare. Um, And which is why we go through the steps, but she had some incredibly awesome techniques for getting oneself centered, grounded um, and having having being possessed in your space. Um, The one technique that the students asked about, I I thought, well, they're definitely going to ask questions about the avatar concept. Well, the one concept that they asked about several times by email afterwards was this concept of how to get breath into your body that she used. It's called the choo-choo train. And basically this is the one thing I think they got from that class, but um, well, besides the, you know, the avatar concept, but basically the idea is that in order to be able to connect with an audience, you need to first be able to connect with yourself and present the words in a, in a, in a way that 
is calm. And the she taught this technique by which you take, I'm doing it right now, actually, um, you take the back of your fingers and put them together. And um, so that the fingers are pushed are, are going up. So fingers pressed against each other, press those into the rib cage. And then you go down all the way um, into basically an L. And you, you basically come up and start taking breaths up again. Um, and so basically you've pushed out all your air and you stand back up with the air again. So as, as full a breath as you can take, and it basically connects your whole self again. And I found that some of these little things that I taught my students have been helpful as we're all in, you know, this moment of being in our homes a lot and needing to get breath and needing to feel calm and, and connected. I have maybe three avatars going at this moment. And I also have been going back and reading all the techniques about how to take in breath um, because we are in, in moments of panic, you can't get the deep breaths that you need. And so this technique has been going on in this house <laughs> this week. Um, but essentially we, we are, um, we are, wired to feel panicked and worried and so to fight that you need to be able to get as deep a breath as you possibly can um in theater actually in and actually you may know a lot about this brian just from your own background in filmmaking but um stanislavski and in in his system called the system um and um in the method acting technique that was developed afterwards by Lee Strasberg, lots of yogic techniques were brought in to let the actors be able to sit with their breath and control their breath. And that's the number one, that's basically the number one concept in yoga. You can do an entire yoga class just breathing. Um, but that's because you cannot be self-possessed without having a c control of that. Yeah, well, one thing that really struck me as fascinating about your article that hadn't really occurred to me in quite this way before was the way in which like using an avatar seems colloquially anyway to like help students like kind of manage a certain kind of self-consciousness that we have when presenting a legal argument doing anything uncomfortable you know but oddly it's like part of why it seems like it could be so effective is that so much of self-consciousness is sort of inward looking self looking and that what students really need to realize about oral advocacy is that a lot of it is about listening and about kind of situational awareness and that actually it seems like acting and acting techniques and this idea of an avatar might be a way of helping students be more situated in the moment that they're actually advocating and in the space in which they're actually present. That's exactly right. That's the entire purpose of the endeavor, actually, because that is what there's nothing that we can do to make them more experienced because this is the first time they're doing this, but you can think of a thousand different ways in which we, we enter unfamiliar territory. So that's why 
these concepts aren't really just about oral argument. They're really about entering anything that's unfamiliar um, to you and trying to figure out how to how to place yourself in that situation and space. So what we know, and we know this from years, you know, being years down the road, is that when you're talking to judges, and of course we understand that these students are doing this in a, in a moot situation, not in a real court, but even real lawyers um, who are practicing lawyers have anxiety about speaking in courts. And it, it's just that with lots, if you have to do it a lot of times, you probably get your techniques down. But the idea is that we're not, it's not really about, it's not really about the advocate. It's more about the advocate being the vessel for a particular message. And that sometimes gives a little, sometimes students feel pretty good about that idea, which is I get to, I get to be here because my role is to speak for my client, and that's going to give me a little bit of terra firma under my feet. It's going to make me feel a little bit more confident because I have a role, but that doesn't work for everybody. Sometimes it's like, yeah, I have this role, and I feel um, I feel uncomfortable with being the person being asked to do this because I don't know anything. Um, and that's not even, it's A, not true that they don't know anything. They, they do. They've written. But I think... The idea is that if you can get yourself in a space where you can calmly look, and this again is that 360 concept, understanding everything around you as if it's slow motion, right? So slowing it down in your head to understand the situation as not being an attack on you in any kind of way, but rather a conversation with the court in which you are, it's almost out of body in a way, right? But the avatar thing helps them to just get up there and say, well, I am now, I am, I am me, but I'm the version of me that feels like I've got Michelle Obama to help me out. And if she's here, I'm going to stand a little straighter. I'm going to present a little bit more calmly. I'm going to seem very self-possessed. And honestly, the last line of everything is always that it's going to be you. You don't need this forever. You might need it in a, the first few times you try something new. Um, you might need it when you're making your first board presentation, which is a thing you haven't done before. But it helps you just understand that you can do it. And nobody ever says, one of the people actually that's often um, on this list is Diane Lockhart, who is also from The Good Wife, but she's the very senior, senior character in that show and and the other show, The Good Fight. The reason that they choose her is that she seems so calm. And I said, you know, if you if you're looking to feel like that authentically, you will because you will know more as you go along, right? You will by just the nature of it not being new, the nature of just having had practice in knowing the law more and knowing your area of law well, you're going to become that person that others will want to emulate. But at this point, you just want something to help you get there, right? So, so Joy, in, in closing, I wonder if some of these observations you're making about the value of acting techniques and the concept of an avatar might be useful not only for law students, but also for law professors. Because I mean, 
for for better or for worse, I'm really getting ready to start channeling my inner Andy Kaufman here. <laughs> yes, I, I I think. Well, first, I will say to that point, I've got three going. So yes, the answer is yes to that. Um, I I think that particularly. I've had a few students write me to say that they appreciate that I've been very calm in this situation in, in which we are. So your, your um, listeners know that we are in the coronavirus weeks. Um, but the idea is that that actually I'm doing for them because I want them to feel like we are going to, we're in it together and we're moving forward together. But I think you're right. It is a technique for law professors as well, because if you are, we rarely are in situations anymore where we've never done anything before. And here we go, right? We're all, many of us are trying Zoom for the first time or teaching online for the first time. And it isn't that these things can't help you now. Um, we're about to do oral advocacy. Possibly um, the students that I'm training right now are probably going to have to Zoom their presentations back to me as well. So I'll be teaching them, but I'm teaching myself also because it's an incredible how, how rare it is to do something brand new for me anymore. And I, I think that's when we bring on our avatars. Well, Joy, thanks so much for coming on the show. I really enjoyed talking to you about this excellent paper, which I will link in the liner notes of the show. And I, I got to say, like a lot of the ideas that you talked about really resonated with me, and I'm going to try to introduce them in my own teaching. That is the greatest compliment. Thank you so much, Brian.
But it's not haunted It was your heart hurting But not for too long, kid In the socket you spin from with ease There is no sticking from the speakers Your fake masterpiece comes serenely dribbling And when the air around your chair goes with ease 